I am very happy to be bringing this third episode to you. More so because I didn't think we'd get past one and two. You're, I'm worried about you keeping track. I feel like at some point that's going to bite you in the ass. This is episode 420, and we never thought we'd make it to 419. That doesn't make us sound pretentious. No. No, not at all. I am picturing us saying that from an old folks' home, which will probably resemble this room very very much. That is adorable, Joseph. I, uh, too, think that I will make it to the ripe old age of 49 one day, and being an old folks' home retired, still chasing all the nurses. <laughs> this third episode is Ali Hassan. Ali's also a comedian. Oh my god, three comedians in a row. People are going to start thinking that we're only going to be doing comedians. I mean, they're the funniest and most interesting people these days. The, the comedian surge in our city is humongous. And with comedians like Louis C.K. really making a mark on the industry, it's really opening the doors, especially in a major city like Toronto. And Ali Hassan is a jack-of-all-trades. Do we call him a comedian? Sure. He's also a chef. He's also got an amazing cookbook website called Bland is Boring. He's a phenomenal chef. I met him as a chef. Uh, we, we met at um, this thing called Cook and Date. And I was a consultant uh, for the actual company. And it was a dating site company that set up dinners for strangers to meet other strangers, strangers hmm. in the city. And they would have a celebrity-ish style chef teaching people how to cook. And while I was there, because I was more so helping them fill their numbers, cooking day, um, drinking their drinks and eating their foods and interacting with the chefs, Ali and I became close fast. We even worked on some stuff together, some development stuff, and here we are today. And this is a great episode. He really knows how to bring the funny in any situation. This is episode number three with Ali Hassan. if I'm wrong, because I'm going to be re really embarrassed and this happens more than enough. Were you on the debaters? Yeah, numerous times. Numerous so times. Five I've times caught now. you yeah. on the debaters. Yeah, there's been a couple of good ones there. there. This, yeah, there was this one where you were talking about... I can only think about the flu the food reference, but you were talking about lamb versus ham or something. Oh, yeah. That was because uh, we were... Well, no, it wasn't lamb versus ham. It was my friend Iman and I. We actually know each other. Is Canada a good place to be a Muslim. And I was like, I, I actually believe it really is. So it's the challenge is write the debate where you think it's not. And I was like, look, look where I'm performing. The city of Hamilton. You got a ham right in the name. How offensive is that? Uh, on a side note, uh, Lamilton. Lamb is delicious. Like, you know, lamb, give it a thought. Give it a thought. Let's talk to the mayor. You know what I mean? That's where we went with that. It's one yeah. of those shows that catches you in the middle of traffic on exactly. the DVD. And you're like, I guess Perfect. I'll watch this. Yeah, yeah, listen yeah. to this <laughs> yeah. on CBC. But no, but and then I heard your voice. I was like, this is Ali. Like, totally. And that joke killed. Yeah. That joke killed. Did you that win that well. debate? I Does didn't. anybody win that I debate? Didn't. No, I'm, I'm 50 50. And uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. two of the ones I lost, it was like, 
so clear that I won. And then you're just like, oh, frick, it doesn't matter. Who did you compete mm-hmm. against in the other times? Uh, Graham Chittenden recently. Graham, he just had a comedy mm-hmm. special yeah. release on air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wicked. Uh, Kathy Jones in the Maritimes. That made no sense that I won that. Like, she's on her home turf. You know, this hour has 22 minutes, like a local legend. And talking about retirement. And I won that somehow. And then Alan Park. You know Alan Park from uh, Air Force and a bunch of different conspiracy theory uh, podcast. Is that he's he in got. the new Air Force? Yeah, he's in the newer Air Force. Skinny guy. Yeah, yeah. Skinny, tall, white skinny guy. hippie sort of looking yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. So against him on uh, Canada Needs Fighter Jets. And did you win that one? I did win that one. Okay. Well, yeah. What was your like? What's your like? What was your top point that you're like, okay, I got this. And do you ever in that show realize that you like, I, this is it. I got this. Only with Kathy Jones, I felt at one point, I'm like, I think I might win this because you have this bare knuckle round. And uh, her bare knuckle round, she was just kind of scrambling through papers. She was just kind of, you know, and another thing, it was just kind of disjointed thoughts. Did you prepare? I prepared very well. But we talked about how well, how, how I was prepared. Like we talked beforehand. I'm like, I'm going to say this. She's like, great. Then I'll say this. But when it was bare knuckle round, I was just like, look, I was, I was retired because it's about, I'm saying that retirement is awesome. And she's like, I, I don't want to retire. And I was like, I was retired for a while. All right, fine. Unemployed, but very, very similar for a short <laughs> period of my life. I found myself retired and I would go to the pool every day and I would see an old man swim. And every day that he swam, this is how he would swim like this, like this, just a big screw you world. You can't tell me what to do. You know, Ali's so stroking like real- <laughs> with the finger, the middle finger exactly. up as he strokes. Exactly. Um, so that was a very visual thing that didn't make it to radio, obviously, but on, uh, there nor here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta explain it. So, it's funny that she doesn't want to retire because as somebody who works in Canadian national broadcasting, I don't think you can retire. I'm pretty sure Peter Mansbridge is going to die on air. Poor Peter. I know. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, I'm pretty sure Lloyd Robertson's, it's like an open casket. That's Peter Mansbridge's desk. It's just Lloyd Robertson's casket to be, not that he's dead. It's just a glass table. That's right. It's directly at Lloyd. It's got a sign in there that says P. Mansbridge. Um, You're next, bitch. What's going on with CBC lately? Last, you were on the comedy panel for George Trombolopoulos tonight. Wicked. That was wicked. 165 episodes. Unbelievable. Yeah. Did it go by fast? Uh, go, it went by... I mean, some days were... I have three kids, my son, like I, I, I have two stepdaughters and a son. So, I didn't go through like the that stage with my daughters crying and the diapers and the not sleeping. So I was going through the kids like waking up four times in the middle of the night, coming to the bed. I'm like, oh God, you're killing. I got to wake up at six, do a full day, go out and do comedy sets. It was a rough year. I could, there were some days where the makeup lady at Strombosh couldn't, she couldn't hide my bags under my eyes. She goes, I don't know. This is the best I can do. Well, you probably do late night sets. This is the thing. And then what time would you have to be on set at CBC? Um, well, luckily they're probably, it's a later show, right? No, it wasn't that late. It was, you get there between 8.30 and 9. Oh, that's brutal. But what was the most brutal was the subway experience. Because I found that if I left my house at 8... Uh, so I can get there for nine. It would be all right. But if I left at eight, I would have this situation where subway doors are slamming in my face and I can't get on the subway and people are just being incredible assholes around you. I see the worst of humanity every morning. So I just kept going earlier and earlier and earlier. And I found my sweet spot was 7 a.m. 
That's just to I, avoid the people. Just to avoid human beings. And really? I, I still didn't, but that's, yeah, well, also I avoid the human beings in my own home because nobody's using the bathroom. Nobody's up. I got my own time to just do my thing. And then I would get out. Yeah, at a seven o'clock bus. That was the ideal, ideal situation. Uh, and I'd get there and sometimes I'd go to sleep for an hour on the, at CBC uh, underneath my desk. Yeah. So you had yeah. a desk. I had a desk. Wow. Yeah. Not, <laughs> that not a lot of people get desks at CBC. <laughs> You're like shoved into a room. You no. may have a table. Like you realize there's all these like kind of like, um, really awkwardy off color, like, like fabricy cubicles everywhere. Yeah. So to the point where like, you know that nobody's there for more than like six months at a time. Your name is really funny. You say that the, with a piece of the way these, these little farms, these cubicle farms are structured. It's like you absolutely is a daily awareness that eh, this is going to be a short contract. Right. But yeah. I mean, isn't that CBC in a nutshell these yeah. days? Yeah. yeah like absolutely. it's amazing when you like meet somebody um, who has like a lifetime kind of contract with them or just like is on full time. Peter and, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, or the equivalent of somebody his age with like a Beatles shirt, just as old as me that I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Oh my God, you've been here for how long? And you do this. And yeah. you mean, they just haven't been able to find you when it comes to like layoff day. Like <laughs> right. you've been in some like, like control room hiding under a desk. Yeah. It's unbelievable when you like nowadays, if you're even on the right track to being a lifer, I feel like the attitude of the 20s and 30s that are getting in there don't want to be at CBC until they're 60 years old. Probably you know? not. It was, the, it was the type of job that you knew you were going to be in for 30 years back in the 70s. Yeah. But look at the difference in funding and, I mean, Hockey Night in Canada not being at CBC anymore. It's just like- That was a tricky thing, man. This guy, Hubert Lacroix, was saying that, you know, Rogers outbid them. And Rogers outbid them by a lot. Right. And they so were now you get money. Into, this is the thing. You can't, the, the, Rogers has got a ton of cash to play with and they're not responsible to the Canadian taxpayer. And CBC listeners would have been like, you know, yeah, some of them would have been like, of course we got hockey, but there would have been many, many, I don't know more, but many who would have been like, this is an outrage. This is what you're doing with our CBC dollars. I find that even though Rogers is going to host H&IC, I think the viewership in Canada is going to easily kind of be persuaded into enjoying it. I mean, they're going to get oh, what they no used question. to it. There's you no know, question. they're not going to remember really in the end of the day that this is not on CBC anymore. Yeah. It's kind of funny how we don't have a lot of original programming in Canada. So we just kind of have to go by the wayside and sure, just be sure, like, sure, accept sure. it. And hopefully it gets better. I mean, Rogers gets such a bad rap in every other medium. Yeah. yeah, yeah Who yeah. knows what, you know, will they change it? You know, obviously with George Trombolopoulos being on it now, right. That's what's happening. If I, if that is, if I'm wrong. when I was, when I was out West, I got shit on a lot, you know, when somebody would introduce me as like your, your headliner tonight, uh, you know, from the George Strombolopoulos show, and I'd hear some muttering, and that muttering was inevitably about, what the fuck does this guy know about hockey, right, man? Why right. the hell is he here? And he knows so much about hockey, yeah. and he is so passionate about Nobody knows that. It's true. I know that because I worked with the guy, right. and he would come in, and he would like have, have had to have gone to a fundraiser the night before, and he would come in, and he goes, I did not watch the game yesterday. Nobody tell me a goddamn thing. You understand me? I have nothing. I'm a vegan. I don't drink. I don't do drugs anymore nothing all i have is hockey you tell me a thing you're fired and jokingly obviously and they go into his office and they come out and be like oh my god he's 
Mickey, what's Sue Ben did? We're like, yeah, that was 12 hours ago. We saw that. Uh, but he's like a passionate Habs fan. He's a huge Habs fan. Yeah, I know. you're I, aware of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I've had a couple stints at the CBC and uh, I've been able uh, to work with George on a few occasions. But yeah, I mean, I talk to him more about music than anything because yeah, he knows. that's his real passion. He's a big statistics guy. So I think the same efforts that he puts into like 60s, 70s punk rock and, and his that kind of transition into today's music sure. and his followership of everything. He he really absorbs information, which is makes him a great newscaster, which makes him really in touch. Yeah. I mean I my generation, not to to segregate you and me. Right. But I know George as the new music news guy from much music. Sure. You know? Well I would the only difference between you and me is I would know him and I don't because I came from Montreal. That's but right. I would have known him as uh, a radio guy first. Before much music. In Montreal? No, no. Meaning that if I lived in Toronto, and given that I'm about six, seven years older than you, I would have probably been listening to him on radio. Like a lot of people I know, they know him from radio. What? What what station was he He was doing some overnight stuff on I don't know why. Yes, right? That was the transition from there to to He was an overnight guy. Right. And then he was a daytime guy, I think. And then he was a... And because he looks so young, people are like, how could this guy have been putting all this work in to get to where... He's almost like... the. Canadian Ryan Seacrest. Sure, yeah. 20 years, man. It's not a yeah. joke. Yeah. And it's, it's joke. and he still looks the same, especially now with all this health initiatives that yeah, he's got yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He can literally be found at the Golden Turtle Vietnamese restaurant on Ozington yeah. four out of seven nights a week. <laughs> is that right? Good. Like, if you want, this is a huge, like, celebrity sighting yeah, for yeah, anybody yeah. who's absolutely <laughs> obsessed with George Rombolopoulos. Yeah. If you actually want to see him once a week, Chances are, go for dinner at Golden Turtle, and he'll be there. Uh, or L.A. You or go to LA. L.A. He's got a place in L.A. He loves riding his bike in L.A. You know, yeah. he like, is it riding? Think he's, like, driving? really... It's, it's both. It depends. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, it's a good combination <laughs> of both with motorcycles. Yeah. Um, is he known out in L.A.? Like, what's I your don't take on so, that? think so, man. I think he probably likes that also. He can just hang out and just be cool That's and be good, himself. Yeah. And I actually, he stood me up in L.A. last weekend. I went to L.A. for the first time. He sent me his number. He would give me a call. And then so the night before, I was like, buddy, I just found out that the Habs are playing a matinee game, which means 9.30 a.m. in L.A. I'm getting up. I'm going to go and watch this thing at a bar nearby. Tell me if you want to uh, join me. Didn't get a call back. What are you going to do? You know? Do you want to say something to him now? He's a regular listener of the show. Oh, is that right? George, come on, man. You give me the number. You take me on that roller coaster of emotions, and then you just drop me. Do you think he knows that 9.30 a.m. exists in L.A., though? I'm not sure. Is it paradise out there? He doesn't. Have you not been? No. Yeah, you would. Uh, I've touched a lot of states. I'm a barbecue guy, so I try to avoid healthy states. I don't want to go eat avocados. For but now a week. you're a healthy guy. Look at you. I'm trying, but yeah. I'm healthy in the sense that I like take me to like Memphis and give me like the best ribs in the world, and then put me on the treadmill to work them off. Sure. Like I'm good at that. Oh now. no, don't don't be too uh, don't fall too much into that California Southern California stereotype because we had. Uh, you know, it's still had, America. I, it's still America at the end of the day. We went to a place called Animal in LA. Like, uh, I don't know what, we had like 10.45 p.m. reservations. And it's it's like this bittersweet thing because I was at the comedy store and we're watching Bobby Lee, this guy Kirk Fox, who is hilarious. Uh, Bill Burr drops in for a set. Wow. Steve Byrne, amazing guy who's got a show on TBS called Sullivan's Son, but I've known him for 10 years as this Korean-American dude. He's amazing. 
That's and, like, I've seen that show, Sullivan and Son. It's almost Sullivan like Son. a Cheers esque, yeah, yeah, very much so. American, Asian exactly. American comedy That's show. That's exactly what it is. And then uh, Neil Brennan was coming on, who co-wrote with Dave Chappelle. And it's like, okay, we got our, we need to go to our second dinner reservation. <laughs> We'd already eaten at five thirty at this amazing place, this Thai place called Night Market, where they say on the menu, please be warned, our food is very spicy. That is how we serve it. That's the way it's meant to be eaten. If you want to eat it some other way, let us know. Like, shame you into eating spice. I was like, oh, my God, it's heaven. It's amazing. But that's Thailand. That is Thailand. Exactly. We're so desensitized in Canada to actual Thai food. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Like, I refuse to go to Khao San Road. It's still, okay, because but here's the thing. The and old I totally, versus the new chef or whatever No, 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 I didn't know, I didn't even know about that stuff. My, my whole thing is that sometimes you, you know, you suspend your experience. For example, okay, on a very, very local example, I can't go to Smoke's Poutinerie. I can't go to so many poutine, but I go to Calgary and it's like 13 bucks for a poutine. I'm like, are you crazy? $13? I come from the land of poutine. Is it because of the Kurds? Goddamn no. It's because they want to rip people off because it's a niche food. Right. I come from the land of poutine where five bucks is all you have to pay to get the best poutine ever. So I'm like, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to eat it here. I'm not interested. But sometimes you're like, you know what? They call themselves a poutine. They're different. Just, just have something that's different. It's tough. I know it's tough, especially if you've eaten like a, a laksa curry noodle soup in Thailand and you're ordering that's something that's called the exact same thing at a Thai restaurant here. It's very difficult to separate yourself. But I just don't want you to grow old and bitter. That's what it's, that's what's happening. <sighs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is the time to cut that off. Um, yeah. Poutine in Montreal is like a, it's like a whole other breed. You know, I know, talk about $5 poutine. In Montreal, I can easily say patati patata, hmm? um, chez Claudette. Yeah, chez Claudette's like, great. That's, that's the kind of routine. skinny fry, thin gravy, but like really eloquently done, but for $5. Yeah, I don't know about this eloquently stuff. I've never heard of You know what? Poutine. As somebody from Toronto, eloquent in, in patati patata, man, it's almost like a little, it's, 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 a a sh- it's like a shithole. Like, I mean, it's like so a- So tiny. It's like a tiny it's, it's little- It's the size of, yeah. It's the size like of the a, studio, a tiny studio, no yeah. doubt. But I think that's part of the- Eloquence of it, you won't. You can't go into like a small little boutique, whether it's a dive or not, kind of style bar restaurant and order poutine that almost looks like it has love in it. Like yeah. everything in Toronto is like made out of gigantic vats, and poutine is just one of those things that is kind of so many different people have so many different opinions that it's totally lost in Toronto. Sure. Between the poutinis, the smokes, what have you. Yeah. So I find that Montreal, first of all, there's no chains. You'll never find the same two places serving the same poutine. Right. Oh, I mean, you have La Fleur, La Belle Provence. You have these places. They'll still get you a very good poutine. You know what? I love La Fleur's. Yeah. It is a greasy shithole. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Those are the chains, but I feel like those have been around before chain, the concept of chains was really a thing. Sure. Like, I'm not talking about La Belle Provence. Like, that's totally a chain, but it's almost like each individual store location is its own, doing its own thing. Yeah. Like everything is different in a sense. I mean, the same greasy product. They cater a little bit yeah, to their own. Yeah, that's right. Market. It's the owners that are different that are really changing yeah. it up. I don't. I'm pretty sure one guy at Lafleur's is not calling the other guy at Lafleur's and going, "Are you doing this to the gravy? Are you doing the like? Are you doing this? Like yeah. everyone's just like plop it on a plate, delete it. It's yeah, four a.m. and they're drunk. Maybe. Yeah. But I'm talking about the Chez Claudettes, the La Patati, the Patati Patatas. You'll find those kind of offshoot little bistro places. 
especially late at night here that serve quality poutine for five dollars i will go to a fish and chips place because they'll have quality chips they'll have quality gravy and for five dollars i know frescoes in kensington market i did a bit um something for the food network there recently for food truck wars and at lunchtime all the kids were just piling in because he serves a really good pile of poutine for and a drink for five dollars yeah these kids are lined up at the door kids love french fries gravy <laughs> smothering if there's one thing you know about the children they are the future and they love poutine so are you living in toronto currently i am is your whole family living in Toronto currently? Wow. I, I moved here to be with them. I married my wife and we moved here the next so day. So she was from here. Ah. Saskatchewan, originally, if you must know okay. about her business. I, I do. What I does she do? She uh, raises children. That's Amazing. what she so does. she puts up with you and your kids. Yeah. No, no. She raises somebody else's children. <laughs> uh, no, she raises our children. That's what she's doing. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I got here and, uh, you know... Um, it's it's like if you knew my my dirty toxic history. It's just unbelievable. We got married in September and she was pregnant by December. It didn't even make sense, you know. Like just as she's sending out resumes to different government offices and all that, and she just got pregnant. So then we have we have this kid within like almost a year, and we've got our two girls. And what then, are your kids' uh, names? Uh, Elisha, Sonia, Maz. The boy is Maz. Is that M-A-A-Z? It is. How did you pick up on that? I don't know. I have, a, I have a, this George Costanza ability to spell names that usually people are like, nobody gets this right. Yeah. And it's like almost like a really good sales tactic sure. that I've acquired. Because a sales tool even if absolutely. you need it to sell things. Yeah. And when I when I do that to people that I first meet, people remember you for life. You for spell sure. their, their awkwardly spelled name and you get it right. When you get it wrong, I mean, sometimes it's like a 50-50 shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people are like, oh, you tried. You know, at least the effort was there. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a George Costanza thing. I, I think is. I get a lot of my sales <laughs> tools from George Costanza. Like a, there's like this smug sense of self-pride that's coming over you. I want to see this thing in action. You know what? I'm a, I'm, I'm not very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde when I get into the sales thing. I mean, my whole life sales, pitching, right, 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 like right, right. selling people, selling ice to Eskimos, I say. Um, so does my grandfather. Um, the idea here is you have to kind of turn it on. Yeah. And sometimes I can't turn it off. Right. So my whole I life will just be a sales pitch and, yeah, that, yeah. and that, that can get me into trouble. But I feel like that's a lot like a comedian on stage. You're a salesman of your jokes. True. And actually, I, I can't speak for everybody, but we generally don't enjoy the company of the comedian who can't turn it off. You know, you're at the Lakeview Diner, it's four in the morning and they're still doing shtick with you. You're like, just relax, buddy. We all fucking went on stage. We all did the same thing. Just to, It's usually somebody with an insecurity and something to prove to the other comedians. Do you know what I mean? That's basically Younger guys? Usually younger guys. Absolutely. I mean, it's four o'clock in the morning. You're eating your terrible poutine at Lakeview. Uh, the mushroom, uh, mushroom gravy. I didn't mind it that one time that I had it. <laughs> No, I didn't, obviously, I didn't I'm, love it. I never I, went I, back. I'm but. really gonna like pigeon my whole myself in Toronto by bashing all the places I don't like Absolutely. on this show. Absolutely, I want Absolutely. At this point. But yeah, no, no, I, I, I can't do it. It's just something about it. Um, but yeah, the idea of pandering is something I feel like most comedians go through, especially when they're trying to sell material to sure. a tough audience. You know what? You know who uh, Kurt Metzger is? 
No. You know that name? He's a guy to be looked up. So Jay Okerson is another fantastic comic. Jay Okerson and Kurt Metzger both from Philly. Jay Okerson talks about how this guy, he's a big white, uh, fat Jewish guy with a ponytail. He would wear FUBU when he was doing black audiences. Uh, you know, he's doing the, those crowds. And he goes, I would watch Kurt. Kurt would never change his fucking act. Not one word of it ever. And so I have buddies like that. I have buddies who are like, dude, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And either they come to me or they don't. That's not me. That's not how I was raised from day one. My mother always like, stop behaving like this. What will people think? What will people say? Stop doing this. You know, my mother is a woman who like had to vacuum the carpets before the Sears people came over to vacuum our carpets. You know what I mean? Like it's always about what will people say? So that's who I am on stage still in a weird way. Not still, but to this day. I'm that guy. I'm like, if I bomb and if I just do what I want to do and I say, screw everybody, this is who I am. This is what I got. I'm always like, what will people say? So you don't, you don't change for nobody. No, I'm saying I do. Oh, you do. Oh, change. I change like a mother. I'm a panderer like crazy. So you'll go to state queen and talk in a Jamaican patch. No, no, no. That's not like this. I'm not going to become something I'm not. Sure. But it's very much about well like, said. what are you guys into? What are you guys into? How right. you do this all? And then I'll try to tell an experience about like when I was in Trinidad and Tobago and I heard gunshots go off and I almost wet myself in behind somebody's <laughs> house. You know, like just to have some Riff. kind of a connection with somebody. And because what I do the most is I host and I MC. Right. So I like those connections. And when I go somewhere where I'm a little bit like, for example, when I was hosting in Calgary, it's like a concern all of a sudden. You're like, what if somebody says, I, I go, so where are you from, man? They go, I'm from Lethbridge. And then I'm like, don't really know where that is. Where are you from, man? I'm from, uh, from, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Moose Jaw. I'm like, I don't know anything about Moose Jaw. Where are you from? You know, and then it starts to weigh on me. Like this could be the worst hosting job ever. But then you just find different ways of like, what do you do instead of like, where are you from? And, uh, you know, so with your background being of, I guess, what East Indian descent? Uh, Pakistani by way of East Indian, meaning that Pakistan was India. Yes. Many years ago. So I, you know, basically South Asian, but my parents both identify as Pakistanis, even though they were both born in India. And you host a lot of these East Indian or I do. I've basically, been yeah, quite that's a, few a great of them. niche though. I thought so. I, thought I mean, you're so. almost like a figurehead. Yeah, in I this, think. In, the, in that community. I mean, Toronto has a huge market for it. Absolutely. They do. You just got to, you know, Go down Gerard and Greenwood area, right? And do a couple sets at La Hortica. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're talking the small time, man. I can go to like a banquet hall in Brampton and do it for 600 people at once, rather than 12 at a time. At Certainly, this, uh, yeah. La yeah, Hortica yeah you know what? Sometimes I forget that Brampton exists. Yeah, you know, you like, know. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Many when you live downtown, right? To. When you live downtown, to me, Little India is like okay. That's where all the Indian people who live downtown. I never think that like, so I, many people from Brampton are actually making their way every day it's uh i mean obviously they do you just it's just something i don't consider no I, I get it and nor should you i mean nor nor would you be expected to think about brampton living here in the comfort of the the, the city's core but you don't have to go for a gig sometimes brampton mississauga one of the most it's just it's a, such a fascinating feeling for me you know i'll be at a, a traffic light and i'll look to my right and it's like a sri lankan family to my left 
like an Indian family. In the back is like a Pakistani family. A woman's wearing hijab. And I'm like, fuck, what happened to this country? And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't get to say that. How can I? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, what must white people be saying right now? Isn't that it amazing? It cannot be good. Because it cannot be good. I mean, I'm not like, I'm like Stephen Colbert. I don't really see race. I don't <laughs> get it. I see I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. <laughs> when you see a Somali woman in my neighborhood pushing her toddler in a hijab, you'll see race. I see common sense. Oh, yeah, you'll see an absence of that sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I understand when people don't want to kind of conform to the norms of the society that they're moving into. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you're so Every set community in your ways. Went through that. Sure. And I think that's what makes for these amazing communities full of culture that as a white person in Toronto, I'll go to Gerard and Greenwood and I'll be like, wow, sorry stores. And this guy's cooking outside. Yeah, some yeah. masala Rolling type corn, thing. breaking all kinds you know of hygiene I mean? laws. Like, yeah. Absolutely. None of that's <laughs> legal, right? right? But at the same it. time, I, I drive north a lot to go see, to visit my family, the, the Jews in Thornhill. And to get there, I have to go through Oakwood and St. Clair. Little Jamaica. Right. Alberts. Nobody knows. Unless you've driven through Little Jamaica, yeah. you don't know it exists. Sure. And I find that it's because they're almost so set in their ways. This is like a little commune that they get to enjoy and not have a lot of outside penetration bug them. Yeah. And it's beautiful because... Again, talk about people outside cooking up a storm, jerk chicken illegally, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who no knows question. what else they're selling on the side? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, because this is amazing atmosphere that wouldn't exist if Brampton wasn't, you know, a half an hour drive away or Mississauga wasn't a you half know, an hour drive away. It's a very interesting discussion that what we're talking about right now that I've had so many times because I don't know where my heart lies on this. When my parents came here. It was like they came to New Brunswick originally, and that's where I was born. I was born in New Brunswick. So my dad would tell me that when they would see a brown skinned guy, they would be like, Hey, look, one of ours. Because it was so wow, rare. They would point whether, you out. Whether it was a Sikh man with a turban, whether it was a dark skinned brown guy from Trinidad, whether if it was a South African, it was all like Apana, apana meaning one of ours. That was the word they would use. And you would have these, you would find commonalities with those people just for like that little taste of home, you know? What were your parents like or are like? Uh, dad is pretty, I mean, he was an English teacher. So you can, you know, just, uh, English teacher, fan of booze, fan of, uh, he would read the news, two newspapers a day, every day before he got like a true English teacher. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was a real academic. What was his drink of choice? Man, it changed over the years. The more medications he had to put in his system, the less certain things worked with him, like the whiskey he had to give up. Then it was a lot of beer, and then beer he had to give up, and then it was red wine in the last few years. Wow. And then it was just a cocktail of 12 drugs keeping him alive, and it was like booze. It just wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. And my mother, I don't think she's touched the stuff. It's am Isn't that amazing what a dynamic? My parents growing up, my dad was the same. He was a big port drinker. Oh, yeah. My mom was the biggest square ever. And I'm like, how did you guys coexist <laughs> yeah, exactly. for as long as you did? Exactly. You know? Like, Dude, I don't like hanging out with my friends when they're drunk and I'm sober and you're married to exactly. a part-time alcoholic. No, it's hilarious. My dad told my mother when they were like dating, he goes, I just want you to know that I drink. And my mom was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. And her head, she's like, we all do. Talk about a square. She did not know he meant booze. She did not know that he was talking about booze. She was just like, oh, my, I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought he meant, you know what? And grow up. Grow up, woman. Come on. Seriously. Was your mom a, a cook? The cook at home? Who passed on No, my dad cooking? more than my mom. My mom worked from 9 to 5, so gone from like 8 to 6, 6.30. She was a secretary at this college where my dad worked. Oh, great. 
But my dad had a schedule where he could teach three mornings a week. Let's say, you know, 8.30 to 11, and then he's done. Teaches some back-to-back classes three days a week. That's it. That's his entire schedule. Or, and then for extra money, he'd teach English as a second language at night, one night a week or something like that. But he was just free to come home and whatever, nap if he wanted to. It turned out he wanted to make food. So that worked out pretty well. And he embraced his background in New Brunswick. Did he find local shops to give him the spices? Well, it was, well I was, I've been in Montreal since I was two. So in New Brunswick, my mom talks to me about how they had to drive like a half hour to get yogurt. I'm like, yogurt? Is that ethnic? She goes, yeah, nobody had it. Nobody ate it. Oh, yogurt. Or plain like yogurt, like plain, flavorless, no yogurt. vanilla, no, no, no sweet yogurt. Regular, regular yogurt was yogurt. miles away. And they lived in the proper city, Fredericton. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so basically just getting back to what you were saying, it's interesting that back then, you know, you have, you have these people who came and they assimilated. They came in the 70s and the 80s. They were professionals and they came here. And they accepted the fact that their children might marry people from other cultures, other backgrounds, because how can you expect anything different, right? Because you come to this country where there's so many, you can't keep them in a, in a box, your children, they've experienced so much with different people. Now what you have, and I'll take the example of the Somali community who's just right beside where I live, Rexdale. It's all Somali they go to they they're surrounded by Somali friends at school. They go to a Sunday school that's all Somalis. At night, if they're socializing with other friends, it's all Somali. So now the expectation is, you, know, you will marry Somali, and it's kind of like justify. So it's just I find that, and and obviously this is not for Somalis. This is just I'm talking about this one example. But I find that this closed mindedness, you know, like I have a Muslim background, and 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 I've seen families be like. Like they, they're lucky that their daughter wants to marry someone at all. You know, some reformed skank wants to finally settle down. And, uh, the family's like, Oh no, he's Sunni. We, we need him. He must be Shia. Are you crazy? Are you dividing things on long cast lines? You don't be lucky that she found a Muslim, that she found a man at all. These are the kind of things that as these communities tighten and tighten and dig their heels in, I see that negative part of it too, you know, which, which makes me a little bit sad. Negative in what sense? Meaning, okay, so I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example from the Jewish ilk. Please. My buddy, uh, my buddy Brad, when I met him at Dawson College, he, I, I mean, he had seen and experienced so little, right? And we met at age 17 or 18 because he had gone to Jewish school his entire life, Jewish friends, Jewish everything, Jewish food, Jewish experiences. When I met him at 18, what's a samosa? What is, what is, I don't understand what public enemy is. What's public enemy? What's the, you know, like just, it was like, I was like, man, am I, am I your introduction to the world outside, you know, what you've grown? He goes, I guess so. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if you want me as that guy, but it was just like, so I always thought of, it was the first guy I met. Because back then it was like it was either Catholic schools or Jewish schools. But now everybody's got their schools. Right. You could be freaking Egyptian Orthodox and there's a school you can go to somewhere. You know what I mean? You can sure. be any – everybody's got their own schools. I I always remember Brad and I always remember how does that help you? How does that help you in this world that is so diverse to shut out the diversity and be, you know, blinders it's like, on? It's almost like he had to assimilate in his own country. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about when you when you talk about little Jamaica or little India or where it's little Somalia and Rexdale. I'm like, there's get out a of your negative bubble. side. Yeah, get, get out, out of, of that bubble. bubble. Get out of that bubble. That's that, this is my issue. This my is, my know. favorite story just to compare is I um I was hanging out in New York. I was living out in New York a couple years ago doing some freelance. And I had I have friends that I met when I was in Israel that are religious, and they live in Crown Heights in New York, right in Brooklyn. Yeah, Crown Heights, sure. So Crown Heights is infamous for its Jewish community. And I remember on like a Friday night dinner, Shabbat dinner, I go to this young rabbi's house when all these young guys my age, you know, that go every Friday night, a whole group of men sit at this long 20 long table for 20 patrons and they're this rabbi's wife his young wife and her sisters kind of wait on hand and foot on these 20, 20 young men and, I, and me being the guy that I am I'm like I got to I got to talk to these guys I got to control the conversation I want to get as much of an experience out of this as possible so I just start probing guys on like you know talk to me about your favorite kosher restaurants sure. in the city you know who do you go see for music You should have had the mic going it oh, would have been a man, great podcast This was years ago Yeah uh, so, you know, the, the, the same kind of like standard uh, questions, uh, answers I would be getting for my questions. They, they love Matis Yahoo. Like Matis Yahoo is their, is their all being, right? Yeah, like yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. guy is, is everything to them. So I'm like, okay, so you guys are into that kind of music. What about the Beastie Boys? Like you guys live in Brooklyn. You guys are Jewish. You guys must all be obsessed with the Beastie Boys. I kid you not, Allie. Who? Wow. That's, you know, it's surprising and it's not. I mean, that's when the blinders are on, they're really on, right? I mean, I'm sure they've walked by the Beastie Boys. Right. <laughs> Just in day-to-day -day Brooklyn. Sure. Walking around in the city. The, the, the chances of them being on the same street at the same time are not Very high. slim. Yeah, sure, sure. Beastie Boys must have been happy to be around guys like this. Like, finally, we're not going to get mobbed by somebody, you know? I mean, it's just, it's pretty amazing. Like, I'm pretty sure they knew who, like, Jay-Z was. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid that kind of... Because he has a Jewish manager. Is that what it is? I, don't know, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it's amazing how stuck in a bubble yeah. we can get i mean especially with food like my dad i love him to death but like i have to find the cheapest most dirtiest diners in the city so i can get him first of all so it doesn't seem like we're going to the same place every week yeah so he can get a cup of coffee maybe a plate of eggs and toast maybe a burger maybe a salad but you know, the second I'd be like, oh, dad, let's go to La Hortica. Let's go Gandhi's. Let's go even just like a, a run in the mill, like even white person Chinese food. You yeah. know, he's just so, oh, how spicy is it going to be? Are, are, are we going to be the only white people? No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't yeah. say that. <laughs> but I mean, those are the restaurants I look for. I, I want to be the only white yeah, person yeah, in those restaurants. But I mean, like my, my dad, you can't even say the word curry to him yeah. without him like breaking out in hives, you know? And, I'm, and I've always just been like, as Jews growing up, like it's garlic was spicy. You it's know what I mean? sketch right there. Yeah? <laughs> just breaking out in hives. Do you hives. want some curry? Is it hot in here? Yeah. Does anybody else feel hot? I don't know what's happening. There's like this really <laughs> famous Mexican joke about Mexican salsa being tried by white people, finding it too spicy, and the white person being like, what is that in there? Tomato? Yeah, it's George Lopez. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great joke. So that's right? my dad in a nutshell. Yeah. Like, Jewish cooking's bland, you know, uh, boiled chicken, maybe salt if you're lucky, but garlic was like shunned yeah. in, in my home.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my my mother microwaved every vegetable, <laughs> casserole dish, saran wrap on top, zapped it for two minutes. I love it, Alex Nussbaum. You know, Alex, love Alex. Great comedian, uh, you know, of uh, Russian Jewish background, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he goes, they would boil everything. You know, you boil, you want soup, spaloosh. You want steak, spaloosh. It's all, everything is spaloosh. It's like we're it's afraid of uh, killing off any member of the Jewish community. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, population. Yeah. I We're guess. like so afraid <laughs> that there might be one less Jew in the world that we have to boil everything to a certain temperature. So we just know that if you eat it, there are chances of you dying. Bacteria. Alone. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's just, it's almost like <laughs> hundreds and thousands of years ago, Jews were that good. I mean, compared to how many Jews there are now, maybe like 10 more. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the five Jews that were sitting around the table, like, well, we can't die. We're, we're, we're all we're that's, important. That's, we're that's, that's God, right? Yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. just make sure we boil everything. This so is ironically, curry, curry, you know, the the turmeric in curry combats different types of cancer and Alzheimer's. You heard it here. Not first, but you, you heard it I here. I can only imagine that there's spices that exist in India that haven't even made it to the Western world what that are, you know, have medicinal properties. Absolutely. You know, I mean, China, India, they're way, they're, they're light years ahead of us in the spice world. Sure. I mean, the names of some of these Indian spices that I hear when my friends come back from India, I'm like, you're making that up. Like yeah, that, yeah, that's right. not a word. Why well, my, uh, my mom's brother, my, my uncle was a, uh, as an ambassador to Pakistan, a, um, he's a civil servant. He's a diplomat. He was, he spoke French as well. So he was stationed in some French African country. I think it was Cote d'Ivoire. He was in the Ivory Coast and his daughter, who was two, who's now 38, I think, when she, she got malaria. And, uh, immediately it was like, we have to ship her to France, you know, ship her, you know, to the, the, the white country that knows what they're doing medically. You know, that's what they assume. Anyway, they couldn't do anything for her, 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 Health just tanking and tanking, tanking. And I think one of my uncle's colleagues called him back to the Ivory Coast. He goes, I, I think I know somebody who can help you. And it was a shaman. It was like a shaman for a, from a village. And he said he gave her this, like, like what we would call a potion. It's right out of a fucking Tintin ca- cartoon. Gave her this liquid, this, you know, I, potion sounds hokey as fuck, but like this, this uh, liquid medicine that he made. And my uncle said, I thought she was going to die right there in those few days because she was so frail and bitter, bitter, brittle. Um, it wasn't malaria, it was jaundice, sorry, jaundice. That she, from the vomiting alone, he's like, he, she's going to vomit everything out of her and along with it will be, you know, whatever's going on. Uh, all the negativity of any kind will be out of her. And he, my uncle's like to watch her throwing up as it gets over for her. And he goes three days of that horrible vomiting and all that. And then she was fine. Like this shaman was able to cure something that, uh, modern medicine was baffled by, you know, like, and it was just potion and rain dancing. I don't know about the rain dancing. I think that was something that, is that uh, racist? Uh, Probably a little bit. Yeah, probably. I mean, I laughed at it, so it's almost for sure racist. But then that means it's okay. Cause if it's considered a joke, I'm in the clear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But now that you're analyzing it, it's like, wait, so he didn't mean to tell that as a joke? No, it wasn't. Oh, it was implied as a joke. But I find that if it's not funny, then you're more inclined to people being like, that's racist. But I mean, like, if you laughed, I always got into trouble with my mom. If my mom said, 
you can do whatever you want. If you make me laugh, chances are you're going to get away with it. Oh, yeah. So I always she had to have, I had, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She was, she was smart. She's like, listen, as long as I walk out with a smile, chances are you're going to get away scot-free. But the bottom line here is that if you write letter, if you, if you receive letters, if people sit down and start writing letters of outrage, you've made it, buddy. You've made it. <laughs> you're exactly where you need to be. You're like, ah. Oh! Okay. You're riling these fools up. It's I important. want I want to talk about that, and then I want to talk about uh, you and food and what you're working on next. But I used to work for breakfast television, okay? Yeah. And we were having this one conversation on air regarding Dangerous Dan's Diner. Yeah. The Double D Kevorkian, man. Right. So, yeah. we're talking about the Kevorkian, which is like this five-pound burger with like a pound of bacon, a pound of cheese, you name yeah. it, right? Yeah. And I was almost like the correspondent on this segment. Because, you know, I was known as the resident fat ass. Yeah, yeah, right. Back then. <laughs> you have your area of expertise. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. People knew me as uh, stuffing my face with shit. And uh, they're like, okay, Alex knows about it. Like, let's talk to him about it. So what do you know about this this heart attack burger? And I went to Dangerous Dan's and I, and I interviewed uh, Dan himself. And probably, his name's probably not Dan. Yeah, no, his, his grandfather was Dan. Right. I also chatted with the guy once, yeah. I just like the booths are van seats with seatbelts still. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, classy. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. So I asked him, who's eating this burger? Who's walking in the door spending $25 on a burger Yeah, and eating it? Is it a bunch of people? Is it a joke? Are they catering with this one burger for a small family? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? And he goes, and I say this, and this is me talking to the host of BT on air. And I say, Dangerous Dan says to me, you know who's coming in? It's always the little Asian com- f- food eating competitors that are coming in to compete. Either they're practicing with this burger oh or, you know what I mean? Those yeah, are the yeah, guys yeah. who are regularly coming in and eating this. And I literally realized as I said it on national television, I said, it's always the little Asian guys, the food eating competitors. As I said it, as it was coming up, I can't believe the rest of the words. Yes. You're, I, I think there's there isn't anything wrong with it because it's not wrong. Yeah. Who's the biggest food competitive eater right now? Yeah. Kobayashi. Yeah, yeah. So, however... But he's talking um, a matter of factly. Right. That's who it is. And it's I'm small. quoting... It might only be because you said little Asian, you belittled them by using the word little. But if you had said the small in stature Asians, maybe that would have been better. I don't know. Anyway, stature is a, is, a, is a weird word too, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to be considered anything little when it comes to Small stature. But seriously, sized. but what I instantly thought is, oh my God, breakfast television is going to get a million emails yeah. from the Asian community who's like, what do you mean? There's fat Asian people too, yeet bam. Like, what is the real like angle to come and complain at? But me it about? probably wouldn't have been from Asians. It would have been from the a lefties, white, yeah, the white probably, lefties totally. who are offended on behalf of Asians who are like, you know what? We do have small people who are incredible competitors in food in the food arena. So as soon as I finished my sentence, I ran to the email computer Yeah, to like monitor the email that were coming so in yeah. to make sure that I didn't offend anybody and I didn't. Okay. We, not a single email oh, good. came in and then, but even just to solidify, I kind of like went to all the cameramen, all the lifers and be like, am I, am I being offensive with that comment? Kobayashi, he's the champion right now. And was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 don't worry, don't worry. But it's funny because right after I was done talking on national television, the segment producer, like the line producer grabbed the microphone in my hand. She said, did you just say little Asian people on national television? Anyway, I was okay. Yeah. If I, you, 
you're right. I, I might be lucky one day and get letters of complaints a la Howard Stern. Yeah, step up your game, buddy. Step I up know, your seriously. racist game. I really got to... The thing is, I'm not, I legitimately am not racist. Well, that's I, a problem I, for your I future. was raised in a very welcoming home. I mean, of course, the older generations, sure, that's just bred into them. My family's very bohemian, you know, love everybody and put out what you want back in. So, I'm, I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. I just hate stupid people. Like, calm, yeah. like I, sometimes that has to do with coming so from Spanish. somewhere people else. then. Right. <laughs> no, you're doing well. You're doing well. You didn't really take that's that just it. Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not the type to be like, well, you're not from here. You have to exactly do what we hear. Like, I don't appreciate that either. I like people kind of like doing their thing and, and making other people aware. Sure. But if you're doing your thing and not making other people aware and you just think people have to understand for whatever reason that your customs are the way things are supposed to happen, I'm supposed to conform to how you feel. Well, there's there's got to be some sort of conversation that has to happen and i feel people especially a lot of uh, new people to toronto uh, they either right away they're like yes i love toronto you got I, I was not as lucky as i was before and i'm gonna do and say what people expect of me yeah. and, I, and that's the kind of people anybody would want for sure coming to their country. sense of gratitude man that's right. what you want rather than the sense of entitlement which we see way too often i know exactly what you're talking about i know exactly what you're talking about and it's it's going to be an epidemic at some point if it's not there already. It's really this sense of entitlement. I'll talk from my perspective with Muslim hijab, particularly the niqab wearing, not hijab. I, I don't want to, I, I don't have a problem with hijab. That's not, not an issue. Mm-hmm. But the niqab wearing women who come here and expect to, and, and, and many of them come from countries where it is talked about being banned or it is banned. And you come here and you're like, well, and, and, the, and to be honest, man, Ontario is the most spineless goddamn province that you've ever seen. In what way? Look, every, every province will have its identity. Right? Albertans, you have those stereotypes of... Cowboys. Cowboys. Right? So Old West, the way Ralph Klein ran the place. Very much cowboy mentality. BC, for a hippie. Hey, man, just chill out. Relax. Granola. All those things, right? Prairies, you have these these sort of smaller, lesser known stereotypes. But they're there as you travel there. This is what we're known for. Quebec is a very obvious one, right? Maritimers also. Ontario, I always found its identity was minimal to begin with. And what I found is, and I, I told this great example to what I think is a great example. Look at me tooting my own horn on my examples. I thought this was a great example of, of, of Ontario in a nutshell. No identity, so you just accommodate everybody. But accommodate to the point where the common sense is compromised. So right by our school, right, right by our house, there is a school where there's a woman. She's a Pakistani woman. Uh, she wears a hijab, but the way the Pakistanis wear a hijab, it's not tight to the, to the face. It's more like, uh, we call it a, a dubatta. So a dubatta is kind of like a cloth that goes over your head. So it sticks out at least three inches on both sides of her face, right? Like this. What is her job? Tell me what is her job every morning? What does she do? She's a cross guard. She's a goddamn crossing guard, man. That's what she does. And every morning my wife and I are like, Jesus Christ. She's going to kill some kids. She's going to kill some kids, man. At what point do we not, as Ontarians, which I am not one, but I guess I am, at what point do we not say common sense has to prevail? This woman would be great 
in the fucking library. She still works for the city. She could put in four hours a week at the library, somewhere where kids are not being endangered. And that's better than being the person that has to tell her, excuse me, ma'am, can you remove your peripheral exactly. blockers? You cannot do this exactly. job without that. Because that God would start... God forbid that, said oh, that. that. would be a, a hailstorm after that. When that guy at York University... Right? We still don't know if he was a Muslim or a Jew. We, we all have our nothing. suspicions. We have we nothing, nothing about this guy. When he said, I'm not able to, uh, uh, to, 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 to work with women, that guy would have been laughed out of Quebec so quickly. Right. That would have been a bunch of teachers at a meeting later that night drinking and laughing about how hysterical a loser came into their office. It would have been dismissed immediately. The fact that we needed to have a large discussion about something that, dude, it's just a guy. He's hey, he's trying to get get a freebie here, right? It just you knew like, you knew what you, what you were getting you into at the beginning. You didn't study for the exam. Yeah, that's all. Way it to is. make it about. Way to not pull a fire alarm. I'm we get try, it. I get, this is like I'm the the, the cultural works. like comparison to pulling the fire alarm. Correct. You know, like study for your test. Buddy. Yeah. We, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, you know, Quebecers are regarded as, as, as dicks, you know, uh, nationwide, but they have balls, man. They let's have the talk balls about to that. Stand let's talk about because they banned headgear. In in soccer, that was a, a short lived thing, thank God. But that it was, was also in other things too, like yeah. in a, in public political. So it's not it's not banned. It's a, it's a, something called the Charter of Values put forth by Pauline Marois. You know what I liked about that, which is weird. Nobody starts a conversation. With, what I liked about that is is people, myself, friends, you know, just the majority of of Canadians and Quebecers finally got to feel real outrage we were actually offended by something that mattered you know what i mean like how as a comedian i see this well like well that offends me and then like some white woman will cross her arms because i made some joke about like a korean person and they'll be like well what do you that that that's your big show (laughs) that's your big thing you come here to a comedy show and then cross your arms thank you that's an incredible contribution to society have you donated any money to any fucking korean war vets have you have you you know (laughs) helped out any children who are starving and have you done anything this is your big fucking thing bullshit outrage all the time culture of outrage right that you read about garbage but this is a fucking come on this is crazy the charter of values no hijabs, no niqabs. The real war was against the niqabs, which honestly, I get it. Niqabs. But then you add the hijab. Then you add the Sikh turban. And then you add the kippah, which is, what are you doing? Those are the best lawyers in the fucking province. Are you stupid? Of course, you're shooting yourself in the foot I immediately. Think about that, yeah. Oh, what? I- idiotic. So no, and, and the cross should not be, you know, it was all religious symbols be banned in public. So if you're a doctor... If you're a teacher, these kind oh, of it. Okay. So a doctor is just sitting there waiting. I'll wait till the refer. I'll wait till the vote. I'll wait till the vote, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't care. I don't. But the vote demonstrated that the vast majority of Quebecers were like, "Nah, this is too much." The charter will come back, but it'll come back in a milder form. It'll come back in a milder form, and and maybe it'll just be like you can't obscure your face. Which is what I think should be the case. Well, I mean, just for security reasons alone. Absolutely. Let's not pretend we live in some. We're not living in Pleasantville, or if we are, it's not going to be like that forever. Let's let's, let's have the sense. It goes back to common sense. Like you said, let's have the common sense to. Get, not only that, man. Come on, this country is about fucking. Dude, as a guy who's got the salesman vibe, this country is about 
talking and communicating with people. And that's like, it's already going to such a bad place when people are just like hooked on a computer in the creepy dark corner of their apartment. When you get out and you talk to people and you can understand their body language and like these little it's different physical markers that they have. Yeah, you can't. Who's approaching a beautiful woman covered up who probably won't even talk to you anyway yeah. if you're not equally you know wearing the same I, kind of thread a couple of dudes who would still do it they would do it on a dare they would be like watch this bro it would be that kind of thing the words watch this bro would be uttered before they went and did it but uh yeah i mean that's that's hardly their concern i don't think that they're but it's almost in- it's impressive that quebec stands for something yeah that Ontario is almost way too accommodating and you can just see the difference in, in culture alone. I mean, Toronto is definitely more of an open, we allow a lot more. Therefore, there is that kind of expansion of culture sure. where Montreal or Quebec in general just has a very Quebec vibe. Like, yeah. like there's no, like, I mean, of course there's a little China and there's, there's little Indias and stuff, but I wouldn't say that they are as exposed in the other parts of the city. Like yeah. you'll have one section in Montreal that's like Arab or you'll have one section sure, in Toronto sure, that's sure. more segregated and people will go there. But like in Toronto, you'll have a little India, but I'll see so many Indian restaurants everywhere else. Right, right, right. Where right. Montreal is very, you know, it's very European I, and then the Europeans are tough to integrate that stuff. So you have those spaces to go to, but yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's harder to find ethnic foods. Food. I, you know what? Well, that's all I care I, about. I would exactly. I, I I always used to say that when I go to Montreal, how often would you see like a Moroccan guy and a white girl, Portuguese guy, and so you'd see a lot of that. So so cosmopolitan in that respect. And then I came here and I was like, it's so ghettoized. Toronto's so ghettoized. But I've learned that that's because I'm living near these ghettos, Mississauga, right, Brampton, Rexdale. Right. When you come downtown. All is forgotten. It's like, no, this, this city's mingling properly. People right. are really... Melting people, pot. Yeah, it is a melting pot in the city. It's outside where things get a little bit... And that's why even, like, I have a lot of friends from Europe, from France, who move to Toronto first. They don't come here and go straight to Montreal. Yeah. Because they hear that almost like people from Europe are more welcomed in Toronto than they are in Montreal. Sure. And that's why we have such a melting pot because all these fresh off the boaters yeah. are coming straight here first because they know they're going to be accepted. I know. They know they're going to get the help. The Koreans know they can go to a little Korea and talk to Korean people Absolutely. and get situated. You know, I don't think, I don't think it's a Korean family is going to Montreal. What happens next is the issue. What happens next is you. I, I got a cousin, my first cousin in Cambridge. His first cousin, who is not, not related to me, also lives in Cambridge. So this guy is about, 45, let's say at this time, it's about a story, he's 10 years old. It's about 45 years old. He is working half the year in Saudi Arabia, half the year here. I don't know, him and his brother own some kind of shop, some store in Saudi Arabia. They'd come here, they'd flip it. One was six months there, one was six months. So they're working back and forth. So this guy, I think I took a bus to Cambridge, Ontario. Somebody had to pick me up at the bus station. My uncle couldn't, my cousin couldn't. They send their cousin. So this guy knows me. He's seen me many times. My cousin's been in Cambridge his whole life. He's seen me my my whole life. So he says to me, he goes, you know, Ali, you know, my son, I need you to talk to him. I'm like, okay, what do you, I'm like, fuck, it's going to be a sex talk with a 19 year old kid. It's going to be weird. You know, I am like, my, my, my probably 30 years old at the time. And he goes, you know, the other day, uh, this, this boy came to our house, Sikh boy with a turban. I said, no, 
No, I slammed door on his face. You have to talk to him. He, I don't want him having these type of friends. I was like, look, you're barking up the wrong fucking right, tree. Right. That is the least of my concerns. I have maybe four Muslim friends and I pride myself on how r- diverse and rich my friendships are. Not only in India, you know, Christians, Sikhs, India, just in general, you know, it's just so good. It feels amazing to have friends from all kinds of different cultures. And I think because we live in such a technological age, our demographic of Muslim and Sikh friends that have moved here. Yeah are smart enough and more connected enough to know that they can't limit themselves sure. to these, to one set of people, either, even whether they like it or, or, or hate it. Yeah. They, they learn to There's expand. Sure. Right. That's the common sense aspect yeah, to it. Right? right. Where obviously this guy who's shutting a door on this guy's face, it lacks that common sense of you have to expand your network or you're going to be yeah. swimming be in the racist, same pool. But be smart about it, dude. Come on. <laughs> if you're going to learn anything from this podcast, <laughs> yeah. it's like, make sure you look over both shoulders before yeah, yeah, you say yeah. those things. Well, there's a funny uh, Donald Sterling in the news, L.A. Clippers owner who, uh, who um, <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've seen in really ages. Uh, A, because who his girlfriend was and what her oh, ethnic, so right? So it's stupid. preposterous. But the other thing is the, the reaction. And I think maybe, um, what Stern's replacement is Silver, I think. His last name is Silver, the, the, the new NBA commission. I think he's new. I think he wanted to really take a stand, wanted to prove something. I think that maybe that's part of it. But dude, let me tell you, what an overblown reaction. I mean, you can, you can relate to this in the, in the Jewish community. I mean, if, if, this is a private phone call, right? Recorded. And now he cannot ever own a team and this and that. If, you, if there were like recordings of, uh, of what happens in a Pakistani or Indian house when the daughter brings a black guy home, there would be a lot less unemployed. There'd be a lot less employed brown people in this country. I'll tell you that right now. Cause that happens everywhere. That kind of shit is happening in every community. Everybody's got their group. Imagine some Turkish family and the daughter brings home a Greek or an Armenian boy. Holy fuck. Like it would be 10 times worse than anything Donald Sterling ever said. But we had to somehow hold this idiot up. This fucking old coot. I mean, he represents nobody. Nobody. And the funniest thing is his biggest thing was with the fucking... Coolest, least offensive black guy in the world, Magic Johnson. And he was on Anderson Cooper last night, Sterling. I missed it. Did I saw have, all the Facebook uh, posts. I didn't have. I was writing a script today. Could and not he literally do it. goes on about Magic Johnson being a terrible representative of the NBA because he's some guy who acquired AIDS by sleeping around during his basketball years and showing no respect for women. Therefore, him having this disease makes him a bad representative of... Says the man still with his wife who has a mistress. Right? Like, where's your respect for women exactly? I mean, let's... We're all dogs. Let's just take a step back and realize who... But, like, he just... I feel like he just dug a bigger hole for himself. Yeah. Just really nailing... The Magic Johnson coffin for okay, whatever because reason. Okay, I, I read on Facebook somebody goes, "Wow, Sterling really has a huge boner for Mar- Magic Johnson." That's what I'd read, right, and I didn't right. know what that's that meant. That's kind of funny. That's that's funny in a in a in a very homophobic way. <laughs> yeah, but it's so true. It's like why even go deeper into bashing this situation? Yeah, that Magic Johnson, if anything, 
he's the wrong person to attack. He's like the Mickey guy, Mouse of the NBA. Absolutely. That's exactly. I think this poor guy, Donald Sterling, is, 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 he, Sterling is so racist that he doesn't even know where to begin to protect himself because he doesn't even know what he's protecting. I think, I mean, I'm just going off of what you just said. I don't think he even knows where the problem lies. I mean, what are you doing? Who gives a shit about Magic Johnson sleeping around with other women? That is so, yeah. so besides the, the fucking point. Yeah, he's trying yeah. to pass the blame. It doesn't have to do with anything. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's, it's amazing how rich and old and stupid you can be. Yeah. Like, there's just no respect. And it's funny because we can joke, you know, about culture and, and, and it's all taken lightheartedly. This guy, whether he knew he was being recorded or not, it proves who he truly is. And I agree with what the NBA's decision. I mean, obviously, banning, you don't want anybody, a guy who clearly lacks common sense. Well, it's hilarious because there's at least 15 other owners who are in the exact same boat. So oh, for I don't sure. Know. They all wear cowboy 10 gallon hats. Absolutely. And so I know, where do you draw the line? I, yeah, don't, I just found the reaction to be like, wow, really? How I many mean, of those guys are now concerned about everything they say on yeah, telephone conversations? Absolutely. Like, who's next? It's like Rob Ford. I just Sterling I grew and around Rob Ford. so much racism from whites and from brown people back. You know what I mean? Like brown on brown racism, Hindus, Muslims, sure. Sikhs, Muslims, Muslim, Muslim. You know, brown people against white people. All that. I grew up around around so much racist sentiment, and I've heard so much worse than anything he's ever said. And that's what my reaction is like. Really. I'm going to nip my this own. topic in the bud after this question. Well, we can go back to food and talk yeah, about how racists go- <laughs> have limited food options. That's like my the father, worst thing my about father. That's how you know how racist somebody is <laughs> when they refuse to eat something just based on their stomach. No, is that's it not true. curry? I'm allergic to yeah. curry. You've never had curry, Dad. Wait, wait, wait. Is this curry being served by a white person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who exactly. is more racist? Sterling? Yes. Former owner of the LA Clippers? Or... Almost former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. It's a very interesting question because Rob Ford surrounded himself, you know, Rexdale, Etobicoke, lots of black kids. And you almost and have also, to understand that that's where he's coming from when he yeah. talks to, to people in Patois. Sure. And- I believe it's Sterling because I think Sterling is very removed from all these black athletes that he so probably despises. They are money makers for him, right? That's all they are. Whereas Rob Ford was really like, you could almost say hands in the dirt, you know, as the football coach. Somewhere in his befuddled brain, he's really trying to help these kids and trying trying to to do better. He's trying to connect with them. He's trying to do... So I I, I don't know. I don't... I think Rob Ford's racism has a lot to do with just his own personal experiences and using words like, ah, these fucking wops and these gooks and all this kind of stuff. And I, I feel like it's just... Him trying to connect to the everyman. Yeah. But not yeah. necessarily in the right way. But no. That's almost like, oh, my brain is telling me this construction era that I grew up in. My yeah, parents yeah, have all yeah, this yeah, printing yeah. money and all these people who I worked with growing up in the neighborhoods we grew up in. One of the most interesting uh, revealing conversations I had about Rob Ford, right up the street from where I live. And I won't sell this guy down the river because he's a good dude. But he, there's a bar. There's a hockey bar down the street from where I live. Lots of older guys. 
One time we do a comedy show there. The comedian taps me on the shoulder. He goes, you're first. I go, cool. He goes, and by the way, this is Rob Ford country. I'm like, what do I do with that information? He goes, whatever you want, man. And then he started the show. I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I don't know what that you means. You don't have any material on I Rob, Ford. Rob Ford. And Rob Ford hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. So I was you're like, from Montreal. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. That too. I know who he is. He was rude to my wife in an elevator. When I, I don't, I'm not going to bring that up one way or another. Anyway, so I, I know that that bar, Rob Ford supporters, gone there a couple of times. Then all this shit happens. Every single thing up until February of this year. I go to watch a hockey game. I see a guy that I, I remember from the few times I've been. I'm like, hey, Mark, how's it going? I reveal nothing about my personal opinion about Rob Ford. I go, man, Mark, uh, how's everything going here? He's like, oh, it's good. It's good. And I'm like, what? Um, I know a lot of guys, you know, it's, this is kind of like a, uh, a Rob Ford, uh, supportive neighborhood and all that. How's everybody feeling about that stuff? I ask as though to have no opinion. How's everyone feel? And this guy, Marcos, you know what? It's like, why can't the media just fucking leave him alone? I'm like, I swear to God, if he was looking at me, he would have seen my face drop. I'm like, the media is the problem. That's the issue. Not the lies and the fucking texting and driving and the fucking barreling people down and the bullying and not none of that. Why doesn't the media just leave? And I was like, well, that's, you know, that's where we live. You you, you allow people to have different opinions about well, different subjects. Well, let's just say if you're a Rob supporter, it's the media's fault. Yeah. If you're not a Rob supporter, it's Rob's fault. It is. I mean, is the, and, that's and how black and white it is. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a supporter for him. Like, I'm not the type of person to be like, oh, he saved us X amount of money. I mean, I don't fit in the demographic financially that it really affects me. Yeah. Uh, that's not a compliment to my financial state. Right. But the, <laughs> the idea here is, like, I just don't want anybody representing us who, like you said, would be rude to your wife in an elevator. That, yeah. that enough. That's yeah. enough for me to be like... Screw off, buddy. Yeah, like, Miller sure. was a nice guy, at least. At least, yeah. I mean, I know he had his downfall, so they all do. Mel Lastman, too. But, I mean, like, Miller, I would at least actually, actually want to shake his hand and be like, what's, sure. what's up? Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like you can't do that to Rob Ford anymore. You can't be like, how's it going? No way. You know, like, what answer are you going to get out of, out no, of Rob a, Ford No, it's a clown anymore? show, man. And he's just walking around in his clown car. You know, his dude is just... Uh, I do think he'll be reelected. I, I think people want to see the show. They want to see the circus oh, continue. Come on. It's embarrassing. For it is embarrassing. Uh, this it this is comedian embarrassing. this weekend, Chris Gethard, uh, Gethard was saying, uh, he goes, one thing about Rob Ford, uh, as an outsider, as a guy from Jersey, I just want to say, he is fucking hilarious. He goes, because you know what? A lot of Canadians would come to the U.S. and really try to, you know, talk about how safe and you know, peaceful and wonderful Canada is in relation to this dangerous country, America. And he goes, you really shut up a lot of you back home. He goes, a lot of you aren't saying too much these Bill days. Bill Clinton was on Late Night with Fallon. I believe it was Fallon. Might have been Leno before he just left. Basically saying that Rob Ford has pretty much eliminated any Canadian stereotype Right. Previously had by Americans. Some people might say that's a good thing. But when you Some live in this city. Some people would say that city, might be a good thing. You live in this city. It's just, it's, my biggest issue is, how are you going to police petty theft and crime break-ins in this when the mayor of the city 
is clearly committing huge amounts of crime based on who he associates with, based on the drugs he's doing, based on any corruption that he's part of, whatever that may be. How do you how do you fucking police that city then? My thing is, you know, he will be the first to admit that being a mayor of a major metropolitan city is a 24 hour job sure. a day. Sure. But if it's eight o'clock and you're three sheets in the wind. How are you expected? Somebody said it to me. What happens if there's like, God forbid, there's a terrorist attack in Toronto? Because Toronto's a targetable city. Why not? No. And your mayor, it's nine o'clock. He's shit faced. The red phone is ringing. He can't pick it up because he's fallen over. <laughs> I don't know if he has a red phone. He probably has a red phone. <laughs> I don't know. If he, every every it's major he's a clown in your is head. a clown phone. That's it's a clown phone. That's right. It's actually a hamburger phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. something directly that yeah, he talks to I mom that way. Red phone is just an homage to the commissioner's phone. <laughs> it could be. It's clearly cell phones now. Yeah, but you know what I mean. How how can you be, expect him to be ready when the time is right? So that's that's my big thing. I, I feel like yeah. if as somebody pretty who, grim, I will say to you, right? As somebody who believes in being available, even in my job, twenty four seven. I thought you were going to say as someone who believes in the fact that we are going to be attacked by terrorists <laughs> yeah. one day. I'm like, calm it down, buddy. It's supposed to be a happy podcast. I guess what I really why I started talking about this because I really wanted to know: Have you been to State Queen before? State Queen. State. Queen. I haven't. Should I? I feel like you were living close to that area. I feel like that's a Bramptonian, <laughs> Etobicoian <laughs> yeah. uh, spot. I mean, considering those, those two are very far from yeah. each other. But are they, is it a chain? Is there enough of them? I've no, seen State no, Queen, Queen somewhere. Maybe. I have seen that for sure. And uh, is it to be done? Is it? Uh, oh, I don't know. Value? I mean, if Rob Ford's going there, oh, we should do a Rob Ford why. restaurant tour. Oh yeah. All the places he eats for free. He just goes to people that like him yeah. and just eats. And then we take pictures of our State bellies. Queen is where he was caught talking patois. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's in a neighborhood where patois is spoken by its locals. Yeah, that's Rexdale. That's, Rexdale. that's also a part of, yeah, yeah. Is that close to where you are? Yeah, we're just on the border. See, it's okay. Rexdale. My, my we're in, we're in Rob Ford's uh, Rob area. Ford country. Yeah, we're, we're actually right I just there. wanted you to know, Allie. Yeah. This is Rob Ford country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell You're me next. what's going on with you. What are you working on next? What's the next big thing? Let's talk about Bland is Boring. Bland is Boring is, uh, is man, we've we've sat on it for a while. This, yeah. is, this is how life works, you know. Bland is Boring was going play 30 webisodes. Blandisboring.com, 30 webisodes, me, two to five minutes making some of my favorite dishes. I enjoyed every minute of it. My buddy and I are putting it together. It's great. All of a sudden... This company wants to work with me. They say the words everybody in my field wants to hear. We see you as the next face on the food, food network. The next fresh face. I was like, God damn it. That's what I thought. That's the same thing that I said to my, to my wife last night. So I was like, that's, that's amazing. That's very, you know, people like when you're low, somebody comes and says something like that. You're like, great. So I work for six months with these guys and just rejection. Every, you know, we would just take a collection of ideas, go to the food network and the food network would be like, yeah, well, um, that first idea, we saw something like that in 2008. You did. Okay. The second idea, we're actually doing a show just like that in the fall of 2015. Okay. And the third one, yeah, that won't work on our network. Okay, great. That's two months' work right there. Why does it have to be Food Network? It doesn't. It doesn't. That was just who this company had a great connection with. 
so we could go repeatedly. Okay. We sure. could get okay, the FaceTime awesome. with the Food Network exec, awesome. you know? So these things, and then all of a sudden we're nearing <laughs> six months. I've been working with them on this, whatever you call it, development deal, this financially non-lucrative development deal. And then, uh, Strombo. Yeah, you know, I did four auditions and my fourth audition, it finally, they decided to have some mercy on me. Four auditions is a lot. Did your agent hook you up? No, I hooked myself Good up. Good for you. But then I hooked my agent up with a... With a pay because it's either With a bi-weekly yeah. permish, commission, you know? So that's, that's, what, that's what having an agent is all about, you know? They, <laughs> they, uh, you should at least have a deal with your agent that if you get the gig, there's I, like I've a thought about this percentage. many times. You're right, though. You're right, because this has nothing to do with her. If anything, I should take my friend Iman out for lunch from in, in Montreal someday. I think I did, actually. Very grateful to her. She just hooked us up with that. George used to do something called Funniest Joke Ever or Funniest Story Ever or something like that. I went and did that piece because Iman actually hooked that up with her own hustle. And they liked the joke. And then they kept calling me for things. And then they called me for the auditions, too. Amazing. Yeah. And you worked side by side with Nobu Edelman. Nobu Edelman. Love Nobu. One of the most hilarious. One week, I'm giving up salt and sugar. He's just eating steamed kale out of a bowl. We're like, dude, you got to stop. That stinks. You're going to stink. You got to stop. Like, no, man. What an interesting no dude salt, that no shit. The next week, let's go drinking. The next week after that, he's doing some other Buddhist. He is a walking science experiment with himself. He is one of the most fascinating guys he I've really ever met. He really is. And he just got a big shot at a Toronto website called Eater. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, so, you guys must be in connection yeah, about yeah. that. Well, yeah, you know, I like food and I love my friends who eat. I only yeah. talk to people who are able to go out at all hours of the night. Sure. That's how I base my relationships. Absolutely. If I can't enjoy some libation or some vice with you, we're probably not going to. We're going to sit in a room. We're going to find that thing that we like. But once it's done, you have to leave. Well, I have to go eat with my friends. Now. That's why I think I got stood up by George in LA. Bar at 9.30. Because I'm at 9.30 a.m. drinking Blue Moons and like, you know, sausage and eggs. That's pretty degenerate behavior overall, but my habs are playing the brew. What do you right. want? Absolutely. What's George? You know, poor guy's going to, you know, French fries of water. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to have anything to do with that. I don't know. And you I watch, respect it. Did you watch last night's game? Yeah. What oh, a God game. What God a game. Four nothing Montreal. They looked like the Bruins. They were playing like the Bruins. They were going hard in the corners. They were a little rough. They were a little dirty. It was beautiful. Man. At the beginning, it was, it was almost two full periods of a one nothing game Montreal yeah. was against Boston and yeah. I was like okay maybe they're just gonna keep them at bay it's gonna be a one nothing game next thing you know two goals back to back a third one in you an know, empty as net a, as an as a, as a old school Montreal fan born in the 70s it's you just watch them blow so many leads over the years they blow, you know there's certain teams when they're up three nothing you can fucking leave. You don't even have to watch the third period. You know your t- team. My, is my here, roommate right? did that. He's like, after the third goal, he's like, I'm out of here, guy. I'm, yeah. out, I'm done. Yeah. People can do that with certain teams. You can never do that with the Habs. Mm. Years and years of experience teach us. That's a Canadian thing. Happen. CFL. CFL is known for being a game that with 30 seconds left, you can score like six Yeah, touchdowns. that's the beauty of the My, my wife's family from Saskatchewan. It's amazing. Like, it's just uh, my kids get 20 bucks each every time they win from their grandfather. Every time the riders win, riders, it's all like, go riders. Crazy. Everybody's wearing green. And I love it. Well, there's I nothing else to do out there, right? There isn't, but there's something to be agreed. But there's something to be said for uh, for a family being passionate about an activity Absolutely. together. It's a hobby. Sure. Sport watching is, a, and, it, and it's definitely one that is enjoyed by family members. You know, that's how you connect to the older generations, sure. I find. You know, grandpa and his granddaughter 
water would connect over the Leafs. Exactly, man. Yeah. We're having my my daughter, my my eldest daughter Elisha really likes football, so she is right there by my wife's side when they're watching the Riders together. My middle daughter kind of fades away. My middle daughter really likes the Jays, really getting into baseball. You know, likes chewing gum. I've seen your posts <laughs> that kind of thing. on Facebook about your kids in your basement playing hockey. Yeah. And they yeah, must, yeah. that's it's good. Fun. Especially the girls and the boy. Yeah. All getting in the sports. It's great activity. Make sure you got to tire them out. Three of them. Yeah. But you have almost like, <laughs> right. you know, you have three fifths of a hockey team right there. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Between yeah. you and your wife, you do have a, a yeah. Hassan hockey team. You put her in nets actually. Just. <laughs> Do they have skates? Are they all skating yet? Uh, my daughters are skating. That's the first thing I did. Great. First thing I did is teach them skating and then slowly swimming as well. Are you a good skater? I was a decent skater. My my ankle's messed on the right hand side. Sure, it's really sure. your ankle should have like these four tendons. Like if you ever look at your foot, it's like these tendons that run down your shin to your foot. I have one left. So my this this ankle, I've just you know torn them so many times and then they they've just snapped like soccer doing what soccer uh drunk walking on a sidewalk sure, this sure. kind you of are thing from montreal that's right yeah man we, when, you have, stuff when you have more time to drink in an evening yeah more stupid shit happens absolutely i mean i think that's why i like the two o'clock shut off so you know what's about to happen right at Mon- in montreal yeah well, with that 19 bar project 5 30 a.m they're closing or whatever it is that's going to cause a lot of shit I mean, it's going to be yeah, great like drinking and driving during rush hour, right. for example. Wow, I didn't even <laughs> yeah, think about absolutely. it like that. Oh, my God. But imagine, like, all economically, a lot of the restaurants will make some more money. And I, I, like, I, I like the idea of a 24-hour city, but I also like the idea that on Sunday in Toronto, it's, like, dead. Like, yeah. it's peaceful here. Yeah, I guess. My life is, as a comic, I'm looking for not peace on different right, random right. nights, you know? I mean, Sometimes on a Saturday, I want peace, you know? I've just been working 11 nights in a row. Just want peace on a Saturday. You can find that, too, in Brampton. Probably. Right, but that's just it. You have to get out of the city. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, this this The city has it's taken me in three and a half years. You know, there's there was like a deep-seated hatred. For many years, as a Montrealer, you watch Toronto eclipse your city in terms of population and business and interest from the rest of the business world. And you're like, why? What's so good about that place? And you get here and it was kind of lame. Two o'clock used to be one o'clock. I remember this is one of the most quintessential Toronto moments for me. My buddy and I are at a place called Shark City, Young and Eglinton. And uh, he has come from Dallas, where he treated me like an absolute king when when I went to visit him. So I'm like, I'm going to take you out in Toronto. We're going to get crazy. And uh, we're at Shark City, and it's 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, this is amazing. It's that night in October. We pushed the, we pushed the, uh, the clocks back. We're getting an extra hour of drinking. And the, wait, the bartender goes, excuse me, excuse me. I heard what you're just talking about. We don't actually do that. We don't do that. We still close at the. I'm like, oh, but then you mean you close at this? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, fuck this place. We're going downtown. So we drive downtown, park the car in Club District. I literally zigzagged with my buddy across the street. Every bouncer with some other stupid like. I'm like, you guys, you stay open for the extra hour. We do, but only for the patrons who are already inside. I'm like, thanks for nothing. Cross the street. You guys stay open for the extra hour? Uh, we do, but no alcohol is a serve during that time. I'm like, what the fuck? What about you guys? You do? We're like, we're not letting anybody else in. I was like, oh my God. And then to me, that day, 10 years ago, I'm talking about, 
maybe even more, 13 years ago, I was like, this is Toronto in a nutshell. Given the opportunity to have a good time, they refuse to have it. They're, that extra hour. They're but things have changed. Yeah, things, things have changed. changed. That's, that's my whole point, that that's where I was mentally with sure. Toronto. I'm like, just do not have fun. It was cautious, more cautious, so cautious. then. Yeah. I mean, they are still now. But yeah. two, two o'clock is early for a lot of people. I mean, most Europeans, they get out of the house after midnight. Right. They go to the club until two, three o'clock. Then they go to the after club sure, sure. till sunrise. Yeah. So that just doesn't exist here. I mean, also siestas don't exist here and general <laughs> like appreciation for life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, well, that's a real, that's a real slag. It's, it's funny because we're not, now you're getting letters. We're not getting, nah, you're getting letters. No, There's no not. appreciation it's for true. life. It's true. Everyone's at their desk right now. They're able to send an email. Uh, <laughs> that's at Ross never sleeps on Twitter. Um, Perfect. But seriously, though, we're not known as like a hardworking city. But nine to five, the majority of the people in the city are at a desk. Yeah. Whether they're working hard or not, they're at a desk. No, nine there's a work ethic. To five. Work ethic. That's yeah. right. I mean, you'll hear in Asia that the work ethic is that much more of a dominance force. But listen, think about the physical activity they inflict on them, the amounts of breaks they inflict. Like, I mean, it's, there is a sense of life appreciation. Here, we almost got the Asian workload idea. Yeah. Ethic. But we don't have the sense of, okay, well, like, maybe we need to be a little bit more active in the morning or my, at night. Everybody goes to Taiwan regularly, Japan regularly. If there's anything that he can say about these, these, these cultures, broadly speaking, they also know when to have fun and how to have fun. Oh, they I love hearing stories themselves. about, like, Korean businessmen. Yeah. Being passed out drunk from the night before, fully still in their suits, yeah. being left alone, wallets intact, keys intact, because no one's going to touch him. It's a ma- it's a show of respect. Yeah, he's dishonored himself already enough. Let's right. not make this worse. That would never exist here. So funny. He would be, you'd be, even in Toronto where it's a safe place. Yeah. The wrong person's going to walk by at the wrong time. Sure. And even I would take out his penis right. and then take a picture at least, right? Just I, mean, I like how it was just going for the picture. I was like, I was wondering where <laughs> this I was going. Steal. I, I, I still have to sleep with myself at <laughs> night. That's true. You know what I mean? I, I do admit, do I, I, you know what I would do? I would take his phone, yeah. take his own penis out, take a picture with his phone, post it on his own Facebook yes, page. Perfect. Maybe. Perfect. That's like the equivalent <laughs> of a, a bad city influence that we have in Toronto versus the mean streets. So, yeah. how do we uh, see this mini series of yours online? Uh, Bland is boring. Is that what we're talking about? I forgot what we're talking. Uh, boring.com. That's where you see these webisodes. So tomorrow, my buddy Massimo and I, and Massimo, son of a butcher, a big food guy, big. I mean, you know, large and can really eat like an Italian. You know, this place called Alexandro's down by the water over sure. here. Of course, go there. I get. A gyro. Right. Gyro and a fries. And Massimo would be like, You're just gonna get one, bro? Wow. I'd be like, yeah, I'm just gonna those get one gyro. It's a lot of bread and it's a lot of meat. He's like, all so right. So for those who don't know, Alexandros is on the docks, basically next to the old Western Hotel. Old Western, yeah. Um, it's been this freestanding building for probably 50 plus years. You always going to float away right. while you're standing in it. So yeah, I've, I've definitely eaten my fair share of euros yeah. there. It's like our little taste of Greek town before actually having to go to Greek town. <laughs> and only if you know about it, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, one is enough. One is they're greasy enough. too. Oh, they're not dirty. Yeah, it's they're dirty, not. Dirty, yeah, one food. makes you feel like you ate one, let yeah. alone two. Wow. That's Massimo. So that's the type of appetite. So like I go out with this guy, I'm influenced by his condescension. So I'm like, all right, I'll eat two. I don't, I don't want to be an asshole. Man. I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to insult you. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I couldn't sleep. 
felt my belly just swishing all night, you know? So this guy loves to eat. And uh, for me, he's like a, the perfect fit. And at one point, he was like, I don't know if I want to just talk about food for 45 minutes. So what we've decided, our compromise is we'll talk about food to begin with for however long we need to, 20, 30 minutes. And then we'll just go into like our life stuff. And he's a he's a gifted storyteller also. So the Bland is Boring podcast will commence uh, in the next few weeks. We'll and where are you going to be recording that? At Massimo's home. Great. In his home studio. And are you going to be featuring that on the Bland is Boring website? Yes. And hopefully on our Never Sleeps Network Absolutely. website. Absolutely. Great. And sure. how can they now, until that uh, is exposed and out online, what's the best way to, to connect with you on the connect social media? Connect with me. Medias? I have uh, a website, standupali.com. I'm on Twitter, standupali. Um, CBC Radio, I host a show called Laugh Out Loud. If you want to just half an hour of comedians, not a host-driven show. I just play great Canadian comics and some American talent, and it's a, it's a wicked show. Amazing. Never Sleepers, you can catch me at Ross Never Sleeps, at Never Sleeps Net both on Twitter and, of course, NeverSleepsNetwork.com, where you're listening to this right now. I want to thank my guest, Ali Hassan. Well, thank you. I want, I want to thank you. I want oh, to come on to your Bland is Boring That'll podcast. Be That'll and be we can talk good. about our origins, how we met. That's, yeah. that's a story worth, uh, worth sharing. <laughs> and, uh, it yeah. seemed like everywhere I went, every two weeks, you were, boop, I'm like, there's that guy Unbelievable, again. huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why I had to start this, because I have to start telling people, come, come meet me here. Yeah. Let's do something together. Yeah, 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 right. let's, all, let's all make non-lucrative deals <laughs> together and make somebody else money in hopes that we get a free meal. Thank you for coming. And I just want to wish right, all man. the never sleepers out there to sleep tight. You you want to, what do you say to your kids before they go to bed? Keep quiet. <laughs> keep quiet. Never sleepers. <laughs> That's keep my quiet. Son. That's my, my, son, my, my mother and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't bother us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's your son. He won't shut up. He just keeps at night. Talking. Is he for, is big, he up forever? Is he's he obsessed with wrestling? Oh, like pro wrestling? No, the movie Nacho Libre. With is Jack that wrestling? Black. <laughs> So the Lucha Libre, man. He's it just is like, wrestling. It's a Mexican wrestling. He calls me Bobo for uh, we don't know why still, but he'll be like, Bobo, <laughs> does Ramses wear gold? Oh, so the other day, this asshole, he goes, Bobo, I want to cheer for Boston. I'm like, I don't, you're not allowed to cheer for Boston. That's heresy. You can't cheer for Boston. Bobo comes from Montreal. We cheer for Montreal. But Boston wears gold like Ramses. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause this idiot wrestler in a fictitious movie is always in gold. Well, whose fault was showing him that movie first? I, we, we, we'll find I'm out. A, I don't want to bla lay blame and point fingers. Well, we're going to find I'm out. I'm a Jack though. Black fan as much as the next guy, yeah. but I wouldn't think that a kid would be obsessed with that kind of movie. Two and a half years old, man. Right immediately, immediately, like I go on the road. He was like, Mama. Can you take off your shirt and wrestle with me? It was really funny. And then it wasn't that funny when he was trying to like knock down shelves in the library oh, and stuff. I think so. your uh, son's wrestler name could be Oedipus. Oedipus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's hope that stops real soon. All right, Maz, go to sleep. Maz, go to sleep. Yeah, Maz, go to sleep. And good night, never sleepers. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 